Uh, passage of Scripture today is from Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17, and the title of the sermon today is Faith in the Face of Opposition. Faith in the Face of Opposition. Now, if you read my newsletter article from last week, you know that I have been fascinated with Elvis Presley ever since the day the man died. I can remember where I was. I can remember who I was with. Now, that may not seem strange to you, but it's strange to me. Because on the day that Elvis died, I am pretty sure that I had no idea who Elvis Presley was. I was only six years old, and I couldn't have told you a song by Elvis Presley if my life depended on it. I was six years old, and yet I'm fascinated and have been fascinated with Elvis ever since that day, and the reason is because I saw the way that his death affected the adults in my life. I mean, you'd have thought they knew this guy from the time he was born until the time he died. I saw the way that it impacted the lives of people in my life, and I became fascinated with him. So every year during Elvis week, I find myself watching all of these documentaries about Elvis Presley, many of which I've already seen. I find myself reading these books about Elvis Presley, many of which I've already read. But last week, as Elvis week came around, I read a book that I had not previously read. It was called Elvis, What Happened? It was written by three of Elvis's former bodyguards. And it was published right before Elvis died. Now, these three bodyguards allege that they were fired as bodyguards for Elvis Presley because they had the courage to confront him about his growing addiction to prescription medication. These three bodyguards allege that everybody around Elvis knew that he had a problem and that the problem was getting worse all the time. But nobody wanted to say anything to Elvis about his problem. Nobody had the courage to confront him about his addiction because they were afraid that if they did it, if they confronted him, they'd lose their jobs and they'd lose their position in Elvis's inner circle, known as the Memphis Mafia. But these three bodyguards claimed that his addiction was getting so out of hand that they finally decided that somebody had to say something, and they had to confront Elvis, and their fears about what might happen to them were realized when they did. All three of them were fired. All three of them thrown out of the Memphis Mafia because they had the courage to speak a word to Elvis that they knew he wouldn't like. They had the courage to speak in the midst of opposition. 
There's another story in the news last week that sort of gets at this same theme. Um, in the aftermath of the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, Councilwoman Liz Cheney was one of ten Republicans who voted for impeachment of then-President Donald Trump. Uh, Liz Cheney said that she voted to impeach Donald Trump because of a moral imperative. She said that, that um, this moral imperative took precedence over anything else. It was more important than devotion to her political party. It was more important than what might happen to her by voting to impeach the president. It was more important than her future electability as, the, as it related to voting for impeachment. This past week, uh, Councilwoman Liz Cheney, who had received 73% of the vote in her state's primary election just two years ago, was soundly defeated by a President Trump supporting, supported candidate all because in her mind she had the courage to speak out and say something that was going to be received with opposition. It is really hard to stand up and to speak out and to do things when you know upon saying it and upon doing it, it's going to be met with opposition. And I want to suggest to you that that's exactly what is happening in our passage of Scripture today. Jesus is in the synagogue. That shouldn't surprise us. Jesus often went to the synagogue whenever He would visit a new town. Uh, he was either there to worship or to teach. And, and Luke tells us in our passage of Scripture today that Jesus is there teaching in the synagogue. Interestingly enough, this will be the last time that Luke that says Jesus taught in the synagogue in His Gospel because Jesus is about to make His way to the cross where He will be crucified. Well, Jesus is up there teaching and then all of a sudden He sees this woman. And, and this woman would have been really hard not to see. Uh, Luke tells us that this woman was bent over and unable to stand up straight. Luke tells us that this woman had been bent over and unable to stand up straight for 18 years. Now what Luke doesn't tell us is how old this woman is. It's quite possible that she wasn't more than 18 years of age or maybe just a little older. So it's quite conceivable that this woman has been bent over and unable to stand up for her entire life. Now, even if she is older than 18, just the number of years that this woman has been unable to stand up straight, it gives us a clue as to the seriousness of her condition. Now, why was this woman in the synagogue that day? It might be tempting to think that she was there because she wanted to be healed, but I'm guessing, I'm going to suggest that the reason why this woman was in the synagogue that day is just because she wanted to worship. There is no evidence in the text whatsoever that when she walked into the synagogue that day that she immediately approached Jesus. 
There is no evidence in the text that when she went into the synagogue that day that, that um, she asked for or requested some sort of special favor from Jesus. It is quite likely that when this woman walked into the synagogue that day, she was well aware of the Jewish law which prohibited healing on the Sabbath. I'm guessing this woman was just there to worship the Lord. I'm guessing she was there and she was already resigned to the fact that this is her lot in life. For 18 years, whether that would have been her entire life or a good portion of her life, she had been unable to stand up straight. I'm guessing this woman just done, did what so many of us do week after week. She walked into worship. She made sure nobody was in her seat. And she sat down. And she was just planning to worship. And yet we're told that Jesus saw her. And when Jesus saw her, the first thing that Jesus does is says that her uh, she has been freed from her ailments. And then Jesus tells her to come to him. Now this is another thing I find strange about this particular part of the story. Why did Jesus make a woman who has been bent over and unable to stand up straight for 18 years come to him? Why didn't he get up and go over to where she was? She's the one that was having trouble walking. Why in the world would Jesus do this? And if Jesus was going to heal this woman, why didn't he just say, woman, you're healed, have a good day? Why in the world did he feel like that he had to invite her to come over to where he is so that he could lay hands on the affected area of her body and so that she could find healing? Luke doesn't tell us, but I like to imagine what it might have been like. And in my mind, the reason why Jesus invited that woman to walk over to where he was is because he wanted everybody else in the synagogue that day to be aware of what was going on, what he had already done, and what he was about to do. Now, can you imagine the courage that it would have taken for that woman to get up and walk toward Jesus that day. First of all, she doesn't know why he wants her to walk over to her. Second of all, she is well aware that there is a prohibition against healing on the Sabbath. If she has been freed from her ailment, like Jesus said that she was, not only is Jesus in jeopardy of getting in trouble, but she's guilty by association, and she could face a lot of opposition herself. It took the same kind of courage for this woman to stand up and go to Jesus knowing the opposition that she was about to face, that it likely took three bodyguards of Elvis to stand up to him and tell him that he had a problem 
with prescription medication. It took the same kind of courage that it probably took those ten Republicans to vote against their party and the president of their party for impeachment in the aftermath of the January 6th riot at the Capitol. It took courage for this woman to make that journey. And yet, we're told that when she did make that journey, that Jesus placed His hands upon her and that immediately she was able to stand up straight for the first time in 18 years and she immediately began to praise God. In the same way that Elvis wasn't too happy with his three bodyguards, and in the same way that President Trump wasn't too happy with those ten Republicans who voted to impeach him, the religious leaders that are in the synagogue that day are not happy with this woman, and they're not happy with Jesus. I love the fact that in the story, uh, it says that the synagogue leader kept saying to the crowd, you can't do this. It's like he said it once, nobody was paying attention. He said it twice, nobody was paying attention. Everybody was so caught up in the emotion of what had just happened. This woman that many had probably seen and worship every single week, bent over and unable to stand up straight, is now all of a sudden completely healed. She's jumping around. She's praising God. And all the while, the religious leader is trying to get people back over here. Like, okay, nothing to see over here. I mean, yeah, the woman can walk, yeah, but that's great. But don't forget, he violated a Sabbath law by doing this on the Sabbath, and she's just as guilty as he is. And then Jesus gets angry. You know, when we talk about Jesus getting angry, everybody likes to talk about that scene where Jesus overturned the tables in the temple courts when they had turned a house of prayer into a den of thieves. But make no mistake about it, Jesus is pretty ticked off here. Um, he calls them a bunch of hypocrites, and he says, I can't believe that you think it's okay to untie a donkey that's been bound so that the donkey can go get some water, but you don't think that it's okay for me to unbind a woman who has been in bondage to a crippling condition for 18 years and to set her free? And he healed that woman her faith was met with His power. It took courage for her to make that journey. It took courage for her to display that faith in the midst of what she knew would be opposition. And God honored that by through Jesus healing this woman. I don't have to tell you that it takes courage to stand up in faith when we know that to stand up and to say what needs to be said and to do what needs to be done will almost certainly be met with opposition. But we won't ever know what God might be willing and able to do 
until we are willing to have the kind of faith that stands up in the face of opposition. To have the courage to say what needs to be said. To do what needs to be done. And to wait with great expectation to what might God do in response. May God give us the grace to have such a faith.